You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Benevolent benefactors bent on Benjamins, Ben Gay, and Benelux. This is Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 249. And of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your cordial quartermen courting cordyceps in corduroy. I'm Colin. And I'm Chris. Getting the cordyceps yeah, in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. yes, the the Last of Us show based on the Last of Us video game. <laughs> Just to give everybody a, a very blanket summary, they're, they're zombies. And the reason for these zombies is because of a, instead of virus attack, it's a fungal attack. Cordyceps is an actual real existing fungus in this world. It starts infecting humans. And we talked about this before in previous episodes of Good Job Brain. Uh, we oh, talked really? about like, yeah, the zombie ants. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Funny thing about cordyceps, in traditional Chinese medicine, cordyceps is a prized ingredient. <laughs> and hmm. people eat it and it's expensive hmm. and it's and it's good for you. All right, let's jump into our first general trivia segment, pop quiz, hot shot. Here we have again. Baby Boomer Edition. Mm, Baby nice. Boomer Edition. Nice. And Trivial Pursuit, totally 80s. Totally uh, 80s. We're going to kill it. We're going to kill it. Here we go. Which one should we do first? Let's do 80s. All right. Get your barnyard buzzers ready. Here we go. Blue Wedge for TV. What TV series provided James Brolin with gainful employment from 1983 to 1988? <laughs> Colin. I believe that show was called Hotel. C- correct. I've never wow. heard of the show yeah. before. Yeah. One down. Let's go. James Brolin is Josh Josh Brolin's dad, right? <laughs> correct. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You have to understand that Colin is totally 80s. <laughs> I am yeah. I am some 80s and some <laughs> <Yeah>. 90s. <laughs> Me and Chris are partially 80s. Exactly. Right. Yes. Right. The yeah. partially 80s edition. <laughs> Pink Wedge, what did Reg Morris blow 31 feet from his mouth to set a new world record in 1986? <laughs> Sorry. Let me let me just read it more naturally. It's you know, when I don't pre-read, I like don't know yeah. where to break. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. What yeah. did Reg Morris, a person named Reg Morris, blow 31 oh. feet from okay. his mouth okay. to set a new world record in 1986. Okay, ready? Chris. Bubble gum. Incorrect. What? <laughs> Call it. A sunflower seed. It is yeah. fire. Oh. oh. Stream of oh. fire. I guess, wow, okay. I guess 31 feet would be a little large for a, for a bubble. Uh, 31 feet is pretty dang impressive for fire. For yeah. fire. Okay. A yellow wedge for HL. What retailer unleashed the Discover card in 1985? Ooh. Huh. Huh. I didn't know they were connected. All right, uh, ready? Chris. I have a guess. Go ahead, Chris. Ready? Sears. I like Correct! it. Yeah, okay. I like it. Yep. That was, what is it, 85? What's the one store yep. everybody buys everything at? Totally. I did yep. not know that that Sears was was connected with the history of Discover. Yeah. Huh. Sears is no longer with us, right? The store? I mean... Oh, it's hang- it's still hanging on. Okay, okay. A little. All right. Purple Wedge for music. 
What Diddy, thanks to vocals by his daughter Moon Unit, was Frank Zappa's biggest selling single? Was that uh, Valley Girl? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Lime Green Wedge for movie. What 1980 dud starring (laughs) the Village People won the inaugural Razzie Award for Worst Picture? Oh, That's a man. good one. Uh, starring the Village People. So the Village People had a movie well, vehicle, I guess. A, apparently, yeah. yeah. Is it is it YMCA? Probably not, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. It is. <laughs> can't stop the music. Hmm. <laughs> and it turns out you, in <laughs> fact, can. <laughs> yeah. Get in its tracks. <laughs> uh, all right. Last wedge in totally eighties. Uh, Orange wedge, sports and leisure. Which AL West? <laughs> I almost said Al West. Al West. That's a name. Al West. <laughs> I was like, why is the L big? What? Which? Which AL West baseball team found ways to lose 893 games during the 80s? Ooh. <laughs> what? Say it again. What? Which AL West baseball team found ways to lose? Uh-huh. 893 games during the 80s oh my gosh Found, it seems like it's like on purpose uh calling oh interesting well i this is where like the baseball heads are gonna hate me because i can never keep al and nl straight but i remember like the mariners were historically bad in the 80s is it the mariners you are correct the okay. seattle mariners <laughs> all right here we go baby boomer let's do this let's bring on the pain blue edge for tv what TV show's theme song was Keep Your Eye on the Sparrow? Keep Your Eye on the Sparrow. Ready? The answer is Barretta's. Mm, <laughs> Barretta. Barretta. Mm. Okay. I would not have had any idea. Pink Wedge, what was the name of Elvis Presley's backup singers? Oh, oh. it was. Uh, it's with a C. It's with a C. No, it's not. it's not with the C. Oh, I'm going to be so mad. What Are you trying it? to do a cold reading? I don't it's know. Yeah. C, D, E, F, G? It is the Jordan Nairs. Uh, okay. Wow. Jordan Nairs. Yeah. Jordan Ayers. Yellow Edge. Who secretly traveled to Peking? Wow, this is an old card. Uh, who secretly <laughs> traveled to Peking to set the stage for Richard Nixon's China trip? Colin. It's got to be Henry Kissinger. It is Henry Kissinger. I would have guessed Big Bird. Do you guys remember Big Bird Goes to China? I do remember. Oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh That was a big deal. It was a big deal. Brown Wedge for publications. Who, with Richard Nixon, was named Time's Man of the Year for 1972? With Richard Nixon. Colin. Uh, is it Henry Kissinger? <laughs> it's Henry. <laughs> I'm what? So, I'm so mad, but I... What? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you remember, like, there was a time where Trivial Pursuit cards, it's all themed. Because you're not <laughs> supposed to read every... Exactly, yeah. Card, to be fair, right? this is not how you're supposed to play with the cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's how we play. All right. Uh, Green Wedge, for literature, what visitors to his home did Elvis Presley tell? Look, if you're just going to sit there and stare at me all night, I'm going to bed. Hmm. Uh, Chris. Uh, Richard Nixon and uh, Henry Kissinger. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Going for it. Uh, really? Uh, Colin. I feel like I've heard the story. Is that the Beatles? 
It is the Beatles. Mm. It is the Beatles. <laughs> Last question for records, RPM. What child star's picture appeared on the cover of the Sgt. Pepper album? Oh. Colin. Uh, is it is it uh, Shirley Temple? It That's is Shirley it. Temple. Yeah. All right. Good job. Not bad, baby boomer. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so today's episode, we have a theme. Our theme is bones i got some weird stuff hopefully you guys have prepared some weird (laughs) stuff yes so this week make no bones about it bones all right i'm gonna read you some poetry It's poetry time. Here we go. A little four-line bit of poetry here for you all. Good friend, for Jesus' sake, forbear to dig the dust enclosed here. Blessed be the man that spares these stones, and cursed be he that moves my bones. Uh, Quiz, on whose gravesite would you find those words? Oh. oh, hmm. Uh, Poe. No, it is, a, it is a poet. It is certainly goth. a poet. It is pretty goth. Good friend <laughs> for Jesus' sake forbear to dig the dust enclosed here. Blessed be the man that spares these stones and cursed be he that moves my bones. Uh, it is, it is a, it is a plaque that is sitting right on top of the dead body of Sir William Shakespeare. Oh. Ah. He is buried um, under a stone slab that is in the Holy Trinity Church uh, in Stratford-upon-Avon. That was his local church that he would go to. In fact, uh, William Shakespeare paid. You can't just get buried in this church. Uh, oh. You know, they, they, like inside the church under the floor. He had to pay them. He paid them 440 pounds to mm. have the privilege of being buried inside the church. It was prime placement. And I was like, oh, well, 440 pounds, probably a lot for somebody in those days. But when, when did Shakespeare die? Oh, the year 1616. How much would that be worth today in dollars? <laughs> it's $125,000. Wow. Mm. The equivalent of 125K that he gave to the church for the privilege of being buried in inside this church. He was apparently worried that somebody... Was going to go messing around with his bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got me thinking about grave robbing, or not to, like Whoa. not do, not doing it, but like you know, <laughs> just like <laughs> thinking about it for purposes of this show. Are there famous instances of that actually happening? Of well-known oh. people's graves being robbed, either because people thought something valuable was down there, yeah, or yeah. they or they just wanted to steal some famous bones, or some kind of weird whatever they were yeah and, and anyway yes yeah there were a couple of really interesting stories wow. here is uh here's a segment all about famous people's graves getting robbed two big stories two big stories charlie chaplin comedian star of the silent film uh age in the 1920s and the 1930s and then of course had a lengthy, lengthy career after that Charlie Chaplin actually lived quite a while. Uh, he died in 1977. He was 88 wow. years old. Yeah. Uh, and he was buried in Switzerland uh, near Lake Geneva. Hmm. And two months after he was buried, 
Uh-oh. Two guys dug up his body. Oh my God, it's not even fully decomposed yet. No, and took the coffin, took it out of the... And they, they sent a ransom demand of $600,000 to <laughs> Charlie Chaplin's widow to get the body back. That is guys, some nerve. They had dug up the grave and they took the whole coffin out of the ground and dragged it along the ground. You know, when people showed up at the gravesite, <laughs> there's a whole track. There's tracks leading away the whole thing. So this was treated at the time as a pretty big case. You know, the police in the area, you know, it was a big scandal. And the robbers kept placing phone calls to Chaplin's widow. And so the cops decided we're going to monitor the phone booths in the local area. To see if they can catch somebody using one of the phone booths to, to make the call. That's how they caught the guys because they eventually caught one making uh, a call, a ransom demand call. They they had made like upwards of like sixty calls oh to, to to try to get the ransom. So they finally got one. They're questioning him and basically said, "This is the best part of this whole thing." Their plan originally was actually not to steal the coffin, but to go there dig it out, dig the hole deeper, put the coffin back in, and then cover it with dirt but leave the hole so they could <laughs> ransom the coffin, but they wouldn't actually have Charlie Chaplin's remains <laughs> on them. It would actually steal some real Ocean's Eleven oh type, like, oh, it was actually still there. The, whole, the last place you look for it, it was in the grave just deeper. Except the problem is, they, they hadn't thought the plan out very well. They got there, they got the coffin out, and they couldn't dig any further, basically. <laughs> so they had to go to plan B, which was, we'll oh, I guess, it. guess we'll just take it. So now they got Charlie Chaplin's coffin. They didn't plan on this. They led the police to a local cornfield about a mile away, and that's where they had, they had reburied the coffin. <laughs> okay, okay. It's not like at a, in a house, like yes. in their apartment. The weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> yeah. So they put them back in the ground and they put a whole bunch of concrete, you know, over him so nobody can go and, and try to take it out again. This is not even the second story. I started looking up famous grave robberies and like it's all mostly it's like famous failed grave robbery because people, <laughs> people don't know what they're doing they don't know what they're doing and even just thinking about it it's like what are you hoping to get out of this you have to yeah, have yeah, yeah. you have to be a little bit like disconnected from reality to, to try this right somebody tried to rob <laughs> and failed the grave of Benny Hill. <laughs> Whoa, why? You, of course, we're all thinking the same thing. We're all thinking yep. the yakety sax playing. sax is playing. Yes. <laughs> yep. They left it in disarray and, and left before they were able to, to get in there, basically. Yep, oh, exactly. Man. So anyway, here's another funny story for you. In the year 1875, there was a guy who his name was Benjamin Boyd. And Benjamin Boyd, at the time, was incarcerated for counterfeiting money, counterfeiting okay. United States currency. Benjamin Boyd was a very skilled engraver. He had learned engraving from his father. He was incredibly good at engraving, and he put those skills to work, engraving plates to make counterfeit money. Okay. okay. Um, and they were fantastic. <laughs> for years, he and his wife would basically go from town to town under assumed names 
printing fake money. They'd get all that fake counterfeit money out there, uh-huh. and then they'd and then they'd skip town uh-huh. and they'd go do it again. So they finally they finally caught up to Benjamin Boyd in 1875 and by they caught up to him i mean the secret service right Um, the secret service which had only just been established a few years prior uh, with the mission of fighting counterfeiting money that was the initial job of the secret service was fighting the the rampant counterfeit currency right uh, that was that was all over the united states post-civil war so the secret service gets benjamin boyd uh they catch him in Fulton, Illinois, okay? Important where they got him. In 1875, he was put in jail. And this was not good for his counterfeiting ring because he was the master engraver. Mm. What good is a ring of counterfeiters when you don't have anybody to make the counterfeit money? So the gang comes up with (laughs) a genius plan to get (laughs) Benjamin Boyd out of jail. And the plan is to steal the body of, that's right, President Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) So Abraham Lincoln is dead. Um, He, as you know. (laughs) Notably. uh, Famously, famously unalive. uh, Ten years prior, on April 15th, uh, 1865, right? And he was uh, entombed in Springfield, Illinois. Okay. All right. Benjamin Boyd currently locked up in the state of Illinois. Now, Lincoln's tomb, which you can visit today, is actually a fairly elaborate kind of piece of architecture. It's got an obelisk. It's got statues all over it. Uh-huh. And then there's an above ground, you know, it's a tomb. It's above ground, you know, room where you can walk into and there's, you know, there's, there's decorations inside and stuff like that. In the central room, the tomb was completed in 1874. So about nine years after he died. And initially... Lincoln's remains were in a sarcophagus in the center of the room. So the gang figures, you know, go in there at night, steal Lincoln's corpse, and we will, again, the plan is, we will ransom it to the state of Illinois, and our demand will be, yes, release Benjamin Boyd from prison, and we will give you back. Yes. I I don't want to call people dumb too much on this show, but these people are very dumb. Um, <laughs> they will release, ben, the state of Illinois will release Benjamin Boyd from custody. They will hand over President Lincoln and everybody will go their it's separate ways. like a little ways, swap. Right? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. You first. No, you first. In terms of actually being able, like, physically to pull this off, it, it wasn't that difficult because the, so first of all, the Lincoln's tomb is like miles out of town. It's the late 1800s. There's no no security guard works there. There's nothing. Cameras, it's just there. right? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Right. <laughs> it's there's a there's a lock on the door. Like that's that's about it. They get to that. They can get to the burial room. That's where the sarcophagus is. The sarcophagus apparently was sealed, but it wasn't really sealed that well. So mm-hmm. I mean, you could you could get the top off. So so the only thing. I mean, first of all, this plan was obviously doomed, but like (laughs) the thing that really doomed it, and this was really unfortunate, is that when they assembled the crew for the heist, they brought along a guy named Louis Sweggles. And Louis told (laughs) them, Louis Sweggs, Louis Sweggles told them that he had grave robbing experience on his resume. (laughs) But but in actuality, Louis Sweggles was an informant for the Secret Service. Uh, I'm guessing he had probably was already trying to get close to these guys because they were counterfeiters. 
But now he gets to go tell the Secret Service that they're planning to kidnap the president's body. So on November 7, 18, <laughs> Election Day 1876, they picked that because they figured it would be even more, uh, people would be even less paying attention to them, right? They Election Day 1876, they go down there. The Secret Service has been tipped off. And they've got they've got detectives from the, the you know the Pinkerton detective oh, agency. Yeah. Yeah, they've yeah. hired some guys. They're like there. circling the tomb. They're just waiting for these guys <laughs> to basically go in and be caught in flagrante delicto, you know, with Lincoln's corpse, basically, so they can charge them. So they go in, they file off the padlock, no problem. They walk in, there's the sarcophagus with Lincoln's remains, they open up the top. Then they realize that there's a coffin inside the sarcophagus and it weighs like 500 pounds. <laughs> and they are like, they're trying to like get it out of there, basically. Um, my understanding is that Louis Sweggles like was the one who told them that there was going to be a truck to put it in. But then there was no truck. So they weren't even going to get it out of there. Before, before they can come up with plan B, before anything had happened. Outside, one of the detectives, his firearm accidentally goes oh. off. Oh, no. <laughs> Before they can rush in and get the guy. So the firearm goes off. Everybody hears the gunshot. They they blow out bolt. of Lincoln's tomb. No Lincoln. And they just bolt and they leave. By the way, the funny thing uh, here, this, <laughs> I mean, it's all very funny. The other funny thing is that the Secret Service had actually been established by Abraham Lincoln. Yes. And in fact... <laughs> Abraham Lincoln signed the document that established the Secret Service on April 14, 1865, the day that yes. he was shot. Yeah. On his it was desk. like one of his last official things that he did as president yeah. uh, was to sign it, signed it, created the Secret Service, and the Secret Service then 10 years later ends up stopping his grave from getting robbed. How, how about that? <laughs> One way or the other. Yeah, inadvertently. Snake eating but... its own tail. Or... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, I digress. Criminals bail out, ditch the coffin. The detectives, there's a lot of them there. They all split up to find the criminals. At one point, the detectives end up shooting at each other because <laughs> they, didn't they, know who, they can't yeah. see. They don't know who's who. Now, of course, they knew who these guys were. So they end up catching up with them a couple of days later and they arrest them. Now the story gets even more ridiculous. Because it's a scandal that these guys had tried to rob Lincoln's grave. Everybody knows about it. The country is scandalized. These guys even do that. They're like, you know, charge them. But. So grave robbing in Illinois in 1876, not illegal. <laughs> there is no law that says that you cannot take a body out of a grave. <laughs> so they could not charge them with that because uh. it was not a crime. So the charge that they laid on the two guys that they got was that they, quote, did unlawfully and feloniously attempt to steal, take, and carry away certain personal goods and property to wit one casket. <laughs> they were charged with attempted theft of Lincoln's of casket. Lincoln's casket. Yep. <laughs> and misdemeanor lock filing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were quickly found guilty at trial. Uh, they each did a year of hard labor. Um, oh my God. But, they only, but it was just a year. Uh, Benjamin Boyd, not released from prison. Yeah. And Lincoln, yeah, unfortunately he did have to, he did have to serve out his time in prison. The plan did not work. Um, 
And Lincoln, Lincoln is actually now, um, he was, he was moved around a little bit because they were like, oh, geez, somebody could just come in here and just take, just take him out. You know, what are we going to do? So eventually, after a while, they actually buried him underneath the tomb. Uh... Um, again, much like Charlie Chaplin covered in concrete. <laughs> they just so, have to like, that's our solution, right? Yeah. Just yep. <laughs> deeper down, more concrete. So nobody's and it's still, so around. it's still sort of ceremonial above ground there. Above ground. Yes. There's still okay. the quote unquote burial room inside, but nobody, so nobody is inside the burial room. And, uh, oh, man. uh, Lincoln is buried. Lincoln is not buried in Lincoln's tomb. He is buried underneath Lincoln's tomb. <laughs> um, now you might be wondering what about old Willie shakes from before? You know, he was worried about grave robbers. Um, you know, he did all he could to prevent it. Uh, did the cursed poetry and six-figure uh, grave placement, did that ward off grave robbers? Well, for 400 years or so, it certainly did seem so. In, until 2016, so in the year 2016, scientists went to the Holy Trinity Church, Stratford-upon-Avon, and used ground-penetrating radar Mm. to see what was there. Because the thing is, nobody wanted to dig the grave up because of the pole. Because of the curse. They didn't want to get cursed. So the the church is like, no. People were, over the years, people were like, oh, we should look in there. Church is like, nope, nope, nope. Nobody touches it. No, absolutely not. Ground-penetrating radar, they look in there. And they find that, number one, the graves are pretty shallow. They only dug a meter under there. So, oh I mean, they're gosh. not, like, super deep. It's not a vault or anything like that. The the, the bones are just, like, a meter underneath <laughs> the, the floor, the, the, the stone floor of the church. The bodies were there. The remains were there. Uh, and, unfortunately, William Shakespeare's body missing its skull. Oh. oh. So at some point, it seems likely that somebody did, in fact, mess with Shakespeare's bones, got cursed, oh, and stole no. Shakespeare. So Shakespeare's skull is missing. So check around your house. If you have it or see it, they want that back. What a quest. <laughs> right? Like national treasure, you know, like yeah, 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 kind yeah. of thing, right? That's well, the thing is, back in the day, I didn't, I didn't look too closely into this, but apparently somebody wrote back in the day like a quote-unquote fictional story about like stealing Shakespeare's skull that people are now looking at a little bit more askance huh. like wait a minute did you actually did you do it <laughs> this isn't like this isn't like if I did it this is like did you do it did you take the skull wow I'm just, I'm just like I'm, right someone for some period of time knew where Shakespeare's skull was like that's what that means is like someone took that secret to their grave and like maybe that became like maybe a little... they'll find they'll find a skeleton with two heads <laughs> right, right, right 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 can you imagine the experts doing the radar imaging and then they're like scanning from the foot up you know they're like yeah and then like oh no the, op- uh, the operator's like, we start from the foot because it's the most dramatic that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I have a quick quiz here, specifically more about bones. I got some bone superlatives. Super mm. bones. Mm. Quick lightning round. So get your barnyard buzzers out. I'm going to name the superlative. You tell me which bone. Here we go. Largest bone. Oh. Chris. Tibia. Incorrect. Ooh. Colin. Femur? 
femur, oh, the femur, femur, femur. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, the top three biggest bones are all the leg bones, but mm, femur mm. is not only the largest, uh, heaviest on average, and strongest. Mm. Mm. Tell me, what is the smallest bone? Oh, oh, Colin. It's uh, it's it's in the ear, and mm-hmm. oh, one? is it is it the hammer, the stapy? Uh, I'm gonna say <laughs> the 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 stapies. Correct. It is the, the stapies, the stirrup. Yes. Yep. Yep. Casually yep. called mm. stirrup. What is the only bone not connected to another bone? Oh, wow! You guys all know this, Chris. It's the hyoid bone. Hyoid. Yeah. Hyoid. H Y. Yep. O-I-D. It's described as the base of your tongue, but really it's located yeah. kind of like where your tonsils are on the mm-hmm. upper part of your neck where your like chin meets the neck. Yep. Um, and it's it's called the floating bone because it's not connected to any bone. It's just held there by my muscles yep. and mm. ligaments. Yes. I heard it described as like a, a, a piece of fruit in a jello mold, basically. <laughs> you can imagine that. <laughs> hyoid. Hyoid. And it does... <laughs> And it does, uh, like for it, for humans, it helps us uh, talk. Like we wouldn't be able to uh, talk and stuff like that without it. Did you did you did you read about hyoids in woodpeckers when they're smashing their face into a tree? The, the high the hyoid bone uh, actually absorbs most of the shock and sends oh, it away from the brain. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's like a mass damper, like in uh, tall buildings, maybe. Yeah, birds are weird. Birds are weird. Uh, experts say that that's the the least likely bone to ever get broken. That's right. Yeah. Right. Because yep. it's like the fruit in the gel mode. Yeah. However, I, I imagine when it is broken, it's usually from like strangulation. Or right. Like right. All right. Tell me, yes. which bone is the weakest bone? Ooh. The weakest bone. Chris. The one in your pinky toe. Incorrect, Colin. <laughs> like the ribs. A rib. It is the <laughs> collarbone. The clavicle. Oh, oh, okay, sure. All right. Part, okay. you know, part of the reason it's thin, it, it goes across. Yeah. Doesn't have a lot of padding on top of it. Yeah. So bones can repair themselves to some extent. You can't really regenerate fully. Mm-hmm. Except for what kind of bone? What? You know, like organs, you can't, your mm-hmm. body's not just going to grow mm-hmm. a new lung, right? Right, right. I right. mean. But you could grow. Is she looking for teeth, Chris? Just what, one kind of bone? What, what kind of bone? There, there are several of this type of bone, but. Oh, interesting. The answer uh, mm. is, is biblically poetic. It is rib bone. Really? Ah. Rib bone, even with large parts of it destroyed, like can regenerate. Really? All right, last question. The giant of Castelnau, Castelnau, giant of Castelnau, refers to three bone fragments uh, discovered in 1890. The bones may belong to one of the largest humans known to have existed. Based on the bone size, it has been estimated that the human may have been how tall? (laughs) Okay, all right. Give me a guess. Closest to Chris. Yeah. Uh, nine feet tall. I'll Colin. say eight feet. 11 feet, six Whoa. inches. <laughs> wow. Well, good job, everybody. Woo. Boning up on bone trivia. Nice.
All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to Good Job Brain. Smooth puzzles, smart trivia, Good Job Brain. You guys know I am a big uh, board game fan, and I love uh, dice games, old school kind of dice games, oh. Yahtzee among them, yes. like that. Chris you and know, I used just... to play Yahtzee all the time. That's right, yeah. Just just a classic, a classic game. You have all heard the phrase, I'm sure, when you're playing the dice games. My friends and I, we say it. it. It's like it's one of those things you start off saying it and you're serious, and then you start saying it as a riff, and then you start saying it because you all know it's so dumb, but you don't want to stop. It's like... <laughs> roll them bones you know right. and so every it just becomes like almost a game now like who's who's not going to be the one to say roll them bones when you're when you're <laughs> playing with the dice um now i mean this is no big secret i you guys probably knew this as well but i i had heard the ancestor of modern dice really were bones like like that's where the saying roll the bones comes from it sounds it sounds too good to be true. Yeah, you know, it's it, too convenient. Like it yeah. makes me skeptical. It is absolutely a hundred percent true that oh. there, there there have been dice made from bone historically, as well as ceramics and glass and rocks and you know wood and any other substance that you could. Oh, you know, ivory. Uh, ivory, indeed. But the the really the the earliest example of a item that people would roll and throw either for game playing but also uh you know divination fortune telling yeah, yeah, yeah. um was animal bones it really was little animal bones well so have you guys heard of uh knuckle bones pretty common name for uh, a family of games that kind of includes dice and jacks uh as well oh. but mm. it really was historically used uh, with animal uh, loosely knuckle bones specifically a bone called a, a talus bone of uh, mainly hooved animals and historically a very common uh animal would be either a sheep or a goat they are relatively flat-sided. If you toss it on the ground, it will land 
regularly on one of the four sides. And they're small enough that you could hold a few of them in your hand and roll them. And the shapes are distinctive. So there's a a side position and a back position and a front position. Mm. So you can basically turn the ankle bones into a jacks type game, a dice type game. They're cubish. Yeah, they are cubish. They are definitely squared off and they are unambiguously different positions that you can roll them in. To this day, there is a historical game called Shagai that uh, Mongolian peoples have been playing for generations. And it really is just like shooting dice, except you're shooting bones and you're, you're rolling the bones. So, okay, all right. I, I learned a bit of a little interesting history there. Kind of scratched the itch of, I knew it came from bones, but what kind of animal, sheep, goat, very common. <laughs> There's got to be more games that use bones here just because humans, oh. we, we do some weird things, man, people. Have you heard of... The Game of Bones. This is, in fact, a historical game that is colloquially called The Game of Bones. Uh, It is also known as Bunnock, B-U-N-N-O-C-K. Broadly, Bunnock is sort of a a descendant of of the the large family of Skittles or uh, pin knockdown type games, which are sort of ancestors to bowling bowling and duck pins and and Skittles. Not not really popular in America, but all over many other countries, revolving around the idea of you're you're stacking up some sticks and you're trying to knock them down. Oh, so which part uses the bone? The the, ball or the sticks? Generally, it seems that that this game started in the early 19th century in Siberia, real, real far north Siberia, where Russian soldiers who were kind of stationed there with really not too much to do turned probably a little bit of inspiration from Shagai, which they would have known and seen from Mongolian peoples there, right there. Mm -hmm. And they turned these inspirations into a game that used horse ankle bones the ankle bone of a horse uh, <laughs> as huge. as you can is 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 big it's big mm-hmm. but they found that talus bones you could prop it upright i mean this is a little grim uh they they apparently had no shortage of horse ankle bones uh out in <laughs> northern siberia there i mean it's harsh i suppose life so they had enough horse ankle bones that they could turn this into a game they'd stack them up instead of wooden dowels or duck pins or whatever and you toss another bone to try and <laughs> knock over the stick. So it's it's a very sort of gruesome goth version of uh, Skittles, essentially. From there, this <laughs> impromptu, you know, hard scrabble soldier's life game kind of spread. Bunnock, at some point, was introduced to Canada in the early 20th century, Weird. It seems by Russian German oh. immigrants. In particular, uh, pockets of these immigrants settled in Saskatchewan. In Saskatchewan, Bunnock developed as sort of just a popular local game. Oh, a lot of farms, a lot of farms there. So they had horses. And where you got mm-hmm. horses, you're going to have horse ankle bones, you know, if you uh, wait long enough. Um, there was a very particular movement that grew around Macklin, Saskatchewan. Now, Macklin, Saskatchewan is not a large place. Uh, in 2021, the Canadian census uh, listed fewer than 1,300 
people in the town of Macklin. Macklin is home to the annual Bunnock World Championships. Wow. Yes, they have they have they have leaned all the way into Bunnock in Macklin. There is the world's largest Bunnock statue. Is this still horse bones or do they use like regulation type of type of equipment? So in this particular example, they, they do use horse bones. Karen, you, you touched on this a little bit. Uh, a very common material for um, certain game equipment was ivory. Can you guys think of what was at one point far and away the number one use of ivory for gaming purposes? I was going to say chess pieces. Uh, it's not a terrible guess. Not a terrible guess. Mm-hmm. It is in fact billiard balls. Yeah, oh, that makes that. Yeah. makes it does sense. make a lot of sense that's right now there were some early pool balls and billiard balls that were made of, of animal bones i read that ox bones uh, were were a, i guess a pretty decent choice but but far and away the predominant material was was ivory I, I mean look it's it's obviously destructive to the elephant on an individual and a population level but it was a laborious process and oh, i mean I'm it sure was, you gotta carve it exactly carve it it was laborious you had it was an artisan kind of thing you might only get four or five balls maybe six or eight from a single tusk so oh my god that's so sad it is yeah. it is it is very sad it is extremely sad there was a time when billiards was it's hard to overstate how popular billiards was uh in the 19th century it just took off there was a a famous billiards promoter player evangelist named michael phelan in the mid to late 1800s, he, he, he was driving the success of the game, cashing in on the success of the game, loved the game. And he also had the foresight to realize this game is growing so fast that the, the ivory, mm. it, it, he was starting to get concerned. Can't scale. Yeah, it does. It didn't scale. That's right. And, and, you know, they had rapidly made improvements to a lot of the other technology. The cues had gotten better. The oh. bumpers had gotten better. You know, the, the special bays and the, you know, the material on the table have gotten better, but not the balls really. So to be blunt, I think he was doing this for capitalist reasons. I don't, I don't necessarily think he was crying about the elephants. He uh, advertised a, a bounty or a reward of $10,000. Okay, this is in 1863 for uh-huh. a suitable replacement for ivory pool balls. Money uh, and necessity are the mother of invention. So this opened the door uh, to a man named John Wesley Hyatt and his brother. He decided... I'm going to be the one I'm going to, I'm going to break through and build the world a better um, billiard ball. And ultimately what he struck on was using a mixture of nitrocellulose. And we've talked about nitrocellulose before, and we'll come back to this in a second. So working with his brother, they took what had been kind of a weakness of nitrocellulose up to that point. They mixed it with some camphor, camphor oil, and it basically made the substance easier to work with, but also would harden the way he wanted it to. So this new composition, he and his brother uh, named this substance, they coined the term celluloid. Now, Chris, you talked on the show a few episodes a little bit, back yeah. about celluloid. And you want to give us maybe just sort of the, the five second um, summary of what was the big takeaway uh, from celluloid. Celluloid uh, was used for old film prints and it was incredibly <laughs> vol- it, it was incredibly volatile and it would just uh, randomly explode. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes. So it was a success. It was a business success. Reviews were a little mixed of the ball at first, but yeah, I mean, people don't like change, but it really was a very, very, very good substitute. 
much more sustainable than slaughtering hundreds and thousands of elephants to make these balls. Um, uh, th- there were some drawbacks to the uh, celluloid balls. He said, a lighted cigar applied oh my God. would at once result in a serious flame and occasionally the violent contact of the balls would produce a mild explosion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. Yep, yep. But uh, it's like in a pool hall. Yeah. It, it, people yeah. are smoking cigars. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And even yeah. if you're not, the balls are going to knock together, even if you're not sending them Yeah. The whole point of this game is to drive the balls violently into other balls. <laughs> right. You cannot play this game and not have that happen. Also, it's celluloid, which they, I mean, they could put the balls away and leave them on the shelf and then they could (laughs) simply spontaneously combust. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. Um, He said, uh, he said he received, quote, uh, a letter from a billiard saloon proprietor in Colorado mentioning this fact and saying that he did not care so much about it, but that instantly every man in the room pulled a gun. So this is the other problem. I mean, Karen oh is on the other God. side of the, the fancy scale with the cigar holders is you're out in the frontier town and every person in this saloon has a gun on them and they hear an explosion. <laughs> you know? uh, so he and his brother, they established the uh, Albany Billiard Ball Company, uh, smashing success for over a hundred years. It was one of our first plastics. It was one of our mm. first oh. just easily manufactured, widely manufactured plastics, despite some of these drawbacks. Backs, like it, you know, blowing up or catching people fire. Were okay with all of this. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, I guess they have yeah. no better option, but still, it's that's like right, movie that's right. theaters catching fire, pool halls. Mm-hmm. So celluloid itself was a hit. They made they made a lot of money. Uh, it, it eventually, even billiard balls, moved on to other materials, uh, resins, you know, advanced other plastics and ceramic mixtures and things like that. I've read in a couple places. I, I really hope this is true. There is one piece of uh recreational equipment that is still made of celluloid today hmm. um now it's safe celluloid it's not gonna blow up on you do you guys know what it is you guys know what it is it's a oh. ping pong balls ping pong ping balls. balls no yeah yeah one of the one of the very few uh that is widely available today as, as today so yeah, I had I, I definitely the bones took me uh, places I didn't think they were going to take me. So I uh, I had to share that with you all. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. I got our last quiz. Last season, we talked about Learned League. Neville Mm. was the guest on our show, and we were trying to convince everybody else on the show, Chris and Colin, to join Learned League. And I'm happy to report I did pretty good this past season. I won my league. I was first oh. placed out of 30. Yeah, Karen. Which right means on. now I get to move up kind of like British soccer. Mm-hmm. Promote, you've been promoted. And it's not because I'm that great. It was just really a, what I call a slumdog league. A lot of questions that I knew the answers to, I was like able to suss out. There was this question. I'm going to read the question. 
a multicolor tri-pipped bone would oddly but accurately describe the logo for what American company founded in Michigan in 1960. Now, in my head, when I was reading this question, I was like, okay, okay, there's a lot of, a lot of different parts. Let's, let's work it out. Say multicolored tri-pipped bone. Mm. Okay. I was thinking about like a dog bone. I was like, what are the pips? Are the pips like, you know, like, like suits on a playing card, three bone or three, you know, three thing bone. It's kind of weird. And then I was like, okay, American company founded in Michigan. Okay. What's a, what's an industry city in Michigan? I was like, okay, Detroit. Oh, cars. It's going to be like, something car related and then i was like okay what car company logo <laughs> has like bones and like three things in it i thought about this for like a whole day and i was like oh what is it i was like okay well what other things okay detroit well detroit is known for like pizza and then it was zing <laughs> I just that one quick thought i was like oh a tri-pipped three dotted bone as in a tile a gaming tile or a dice or a domino. <laughs> and I was really happy to arrive at this answer because it was the correct one. Uh, Domino's Pizza. Domino's Pizza. Why the name? Why the logo? Did the founders like to play Domino's? Was someone's name Domino? What's the connection between the pizza and then the Domino game? So... The Monaghan brothers, founders of uh, uh, Domino's Pizza, they took over a local pizzeria called Dominic's, <laughs> named after the original owner whose name was Dominic. Mm. Um, so Tom Monaghan, uh, one of the brothers, he then bought two more pizza shops and wanted to call all three of them Dominic's. It makes sense, right? It's kind of like a brand. Yeah. However, the original owner, Dominic, he was like, no, the original store is called Dominic's. You can name the new two stores Dominic's as well. So then an employee suggested, hey, why don't you rename it Domino's? <laughs> it's reminiscent of Dominic's, but it's not exactly Dominic's. And that's how the name came to be. Nothing to do with the game, just because it sounded similar to the original name of the pizzeria. <laughs> and this is why in the in the logo, there are three dots right, for right. the three locations. And we talked about this, uh, I think, Chris, in a very old quiz of yours, where the original idea was they're going to add a dot. I remember for that. Every, every franchise location. Right. They were thinking too small. Like you're capping yourself at like 12 stores, right? One, you know, the highest number of dots you can have on a domino. <laughs> yeah. They're like filling 12. in that 12th one. They're like, ah, now we're done. <laughs> yeah. From this 1960 until now, like Domino's has been making pizza, delivering pizza and pizza adjacent <laughs> and non-adjacent items for over 60 years in 84 countries. So question, in 2007, Domino's collaborated with what sweet treat brand to debut a dessert pizza that sadly failed miserably? Oh, yeah. Do you remember this? Colin. Was it Oreos? It was Oreo. Okay. It was the Oreo pizza. Wow. Literally, it is a normal pizza crust with crushed up Oreos on top, and the sauce is the white frosting. Oh, my, oh my goodness. 
People hated it. It's, <laughs> it, it's too sweet. It's something. Um, it's something a toddler would come up with and think he's just like, yes, oh, just yes. a cookie pizza. I was reading some market survey and market research in the U.S. People don't really want dessert pizza. Yeah. it's like they don't really equate pizzas as a dessert, mm-hmm. but other countries do. Yes. So uh, in the Ukraine, they have what's called Domino's pies, and it is. The pizza crust, they put like poppy seed filling, and then they put a beautiful lattice, like a dough lattice on top, Mm. and they bake it. So it's like, it is like a pie shape instead of crust. It's like bread. It's like a babka, but not swirled around. It actually sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. It looks beautiful and people love it. Uh, the Domino's pies in Ukraine. And then in the UK, they have something <laughs> called the Lada Chaka pizza, which is pizza crust and they just melt milk chocolate in the center. <laughs> and people and people are like, this is exquisite. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Question time. During the claymation craze of the 1980s, yes. totally 80s, Domino's had this unusual mascot. What was its name and what was its deal? Colin. It was the Noid. It would stop your pizza from getting delivered on time. And the idea was like, (laughs) avoid the Noid, go with Domino's, which will get your pizza in, what, 30 minutes or less, or it's free, right? It's like a villain uh, that they came up with. The Noid is is claymation, a human guy in a Deadpool red superhero costume, but he has big rabbit ears. Yeah. I was always a little unclear what his biology was supposed <laughs> yeah, to be. If you yeah. take out the suit, he mm. has the, the rabbit ears. Mm-hmm. It's so strange, but it was a craze. People loved the Noid. Unfortunately, something really sad happened in 1989 that might have contributed to the end of the Noid. So at a Domino's location in Georgia, the state, a man came in with a gun and held two Domino's employees hostage. His name was Kenneth Noid. No. Oh, and, no. And he believed that the entire Avoid the Noid campaign was about him. He was convinced that like Domino's Pizza like stole his name. Oh, my gosh. The, the hostages actually escaped. But, you know, for a while there, America was obsessed with the Noid mascot. There, there, Chris, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong. There was a Noid video game, right? I believe. There That's is my a- next question. That's well, my next question. Tell me, the Noid has appeared in how many video games? Oh, my God. Oh. You're already blowing my mind because I would have capped it at one. There were multiple? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought, I, I, gee, I, I thought there just was one video game. Is it more than one? Four. Here we go. Avoid the Noid, computer game, 1989. Oh, okay. All right, sure. Okay. Yo Noid, the the NES Nintendo 1990 game made by Capcom. That's what I was thinking of. Which was a localized version of an existing Japanese platformer. Uh, They do that a lot where they kind of reskin it. The Noids Super Pizza Shootout in 2011, which was a Facebook web game in the style of a classic arcade game. Mm. And get this, the fourth game, Crash Bandicoot on the Run. What? The the 2021 Mobile Endless Runner. Wow. Uh, The Noid makes makes an appearance. We need to nip this in the bud right here. (laughs) 
I don't think we should do Noid nostalgia. Yes! Yeah. I, I think we should actively resist the Noid coming back. If anything, where are the California Raisins? They sang Motown hits. Yeah. I feel like I feel like they they could come back. They have I, I don't, skill. I don't see yeah. them anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. They trained very hard to sing those songs. <laughs> yeah, I think out of all, all 80s claymation, I think Raisins... Yeah. Earn, earn their place all right uh so i said before uh, uh as of 2018 domino's has stores in over 83 countries but very 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 recently domino's made the world news in august 2022 so just last year because they finally had to shut down operations in what country after trying oh. for seven years oh god i'm pretty sure it was it was italy right yeah that's what i'm thinking it is italy <laughs> The, the Italian franchise company of, of Domino's, uh, they had to declare bankruptcy. You think, yeah, sure, ballsy of them, yeah. for them to sell delivery pizza in the land that invented pizza. <laughs> but they actually said that it was the pandemic. You know, once the pandemic hit, many of the local restaurants leveled up their delivery games. So it's oh, like, so that's es- essentially that's what they were trying. They were trying to go in and do delivery, delivery. in a yeah. place where that that wasn't really typical. Right. Like that was sort of their angle that were working and then everybody else started doing it. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The tech leveled up, the delivery apps leveled up. And right, so now right. your your local restaurants could could go into that game, too. So right. Domino's just couldn't rely on that model anymore. And it may not surprise you, Italy is the birthplace of the pizza. It also, of course, is the birthplace of the first documented pizza delivery. (laughs) As the story goes, in 1889, the king and queen of Italy were traveling in Naples, where the queen fell ill. The royal couple uh, requested to have the best food sent to them. (laughs) Here's my question. The king in the story, or in the king in, in history, Umberto the First. Mm-hmm. What was the queen's name? Oh. Colin. Has to be Margarita. Yes! Oh. It is. <laughs> queen Margarita of, of Savoy, queen of, of Italy. Of course. The namesake of the Margarita pizza and, you yep. know, basil, <laughs> cheese, and tomato red white and green the f- <laughs> colors of the flag yes yes, yes yes it was very in good, tribute. Very good. Yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. her name was queen oreo pizza <laughs> <laughs> finally last question if you order a plain pizza from domino's what would you get whoa it, it's it's a tricky question so chris comes from a land where so i i am pizza from is very different i'm from the new haven area which is that a a plain still technically means dough crust tomato sauce on the top and then just like sprinkling of parmesan cheese like mozzarella cheese is considered a, a topping a to- that's oh, not a huh, that's not a plain okay. pizza but on Domino's, I would assume that a plain pizza includes mozzarella cheese. If you order a plain pizza f- from Domino's, you would get crust and sauce. Really? Yeah. However, you're doing this probably on an app or online. Yeah. So when you, the cheese is pre-selected for you. Ah, uh, yes. If you order from the phone, the employee would say, would you like cheese on it? Or do you mean cheese pizza? Right. 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 And so right. It, yeah, it's a little bit tricky. Plain yep. is no cheese. You're, you're aware also of none pizza with left beef. What? What? None, none pizza with left beef. 
I, I just quickly looked this up to remind myself of it. It was in 2007. Really, it was when when they were starting to roll out like ordering pizza online by picking the you know picking the toppings that you okay. want on the okay. website. Okay. And of course, Domino's was you know at the forefront of this. The guy was like, "I want to test what would actually happen to just get something completely ridiculous." Um, uh, and you can you can say, "I want toppings on the left, toppings on the right." Right? You like split the toppings of the pizza. <laughs> Uh-huh. So he gets a pizza and he picks toppings absolutely nothing nothing at all and then except on the except on one side of the pizza he picks the beef like ground beef um he, he's like i ordered a i ordered a nun pizza with left beef and he and he posts a picture of it and it's a bare pizza crust and on yes. just on the with no sauce no cheese just crust and then on the on the left side are just a few like little sprinklings of ground beef basically it's it's hilarious and he got it i mean they'll they'll make you anything that you specify yeah they will yeah exactly no and i'm sure they got it and they were like "Mm, uh what (laughs) all right sure okay (laughs) none pizza with left beef it's great yeah (laughs) uh so that was my segment. A, a little bit departure from actual bones, but it was definitely inspired by the Learned League question and the fact that Domino's uh, is, is also called Bones. All right, Colin, it's time to talk about your game. Your yes. game that you've been working on for so long. Yes, for so long. And uh, Karen and Chris, you guys, man, early on were both beta, or not even beta, alpha, pre-alpha testers of this game. The name of our game, it is called Bare Bones. Excellent. And it is a little bit of a pun name. Uh, the The focus of the game is on rolling dice. And we we really were trying to capture kind of a throwback feel. I mentioned Yahtzee at the top of the mm-hmm. show, uh, and there are also cards in the game. We we call we call the game. It's the dice game that thinks it's a card game. And we have had oh. a, we we really have put a lot of heart and soul and effort into this game. It is now ready. If you go to the website barebonesgame.com. Uh, and most importantly. We have a coupon for our loyal Ooh. Good Job Brain listeners and use the code Good Job Brain. All one word, Good Job Brain. Look at you. You're, you're a podcast advertiser now. <laughs> we, get, we get no money from this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I need to kick back some royalties to you. That will get you, uh, dear listener, that will get you $5 off. And it is real. It is real. We started uh, you know, with a dream. And now we're here. And and the crazy thing is witnessing this journey, the big snag, I remember so clearly the making of the dice, because it's not your pip, yeah, you know, yeah. one dot, two dot. It's like numbers on dice and how logistically difficult it is to make. They're custom dice, it individually numbered. Uh, there are seven sets of different dice and manufacturing custom dice was was no was no small feat. That means they had to they had to like make a mold. How does it work? That's, yeah, you can either have them molded, but a lot of games, especially for small run games, they are laser etched. Yeah, so in- blank cubes blank acrylic dice 16 millimeter dice and then they're etched filled in with paint cleaned up and our scale starting scale is 500 units which is a pittance wait there are only 500 games there are only 500 units in in let's say we're gonna call this the first printing Mm -hmm. and uh yeah if you have any questions or want to learn anything more about it just you know where to find me 
And that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned stuff about bone games, grave robbers, and Domino's Pizza. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on all podcast apps and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. This podcast is part of Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other shows like Ancient History Fangirl, History Tea Time, and A Mindful Moment. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.